Yeah, today is Resurrection Sunday, and if it wasn't for today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Paul said the, without the resurrection, it would all be in vain. It would be useless. It would be pointless to be a Christian if Jesus had not risen from the dead. Do you believe that? And so we need a resurrection. It's a historical reality. In fact, a lot of non-Christians and pagans and heathens through the years have tried to disprove the resurrection, the historicity of the resurrection, and so they couldn't do it. Josh McDowell is one of those. You might be familiar with that name. He's a great apologist of the Christian faith and heard him speak and preach several times through the years. And he tried to disprove the historicity of the resurrection. He couldn't do it. And so Jesus did rise from the dead. He is alive. He is alive. Amen? He is alive. He is alive. He is alive. Can we? He is alive. And if we were at that resurrected uh, that tomb where he resurrected, how would you have been? How would you have been emotionally? How would you have been spiritually? And so we can get all jacked up about a lot of things in life, and we can hoot and holler, and we can have tears, and hands go up, and emotions start to be expressed. But how would you have been at the resurrected tomb? How would you have been? This is an important day. I'm going to continue a, a series with you. It's a three-part series named Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Jesus is the ultimate tomb raider. And so last Sunday, we saw that timing is everything. Timing is everything. Would you agree with that? How about timing in everything? And so not only is timing everything, because God is sovereign over time, he owns it. He's beyond it, actually, and he created it. And so, but we're in time. We're locked in time. And so we live by time. And so last Lord's Day, we saw that Jesus was coming into the tomb of Mary and Martha and others, the disciples, to rescue them out of their doubt. So let's open our Bibles to John chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 28 down to verse 37. So John 11, it's a great chapter. It's a very important chapter in John's gospel. Very important point in the ministry of Jesus. This would be his last public miracle. And so from here, he's going to the cross. In fact, this miracle would be precipitatory of the crucifixion. The people would watch what would happen here. Some would believe and some would reject it. Those who rejected it would lead to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This is a very important chapter in your New Testament. So if you have your Bible, say amen. amen. Can I see it if we just want some proof here? Let's have some proof. Accountability. Can you keep those up? That's, so, that's fantastic because look at all of the, the, the apps, the Bible apps and the phones back there. We have a great little pocket of apps over here too. Awesome. Let's keep it up in the air. How about we stand to our feet? Jesus, we thank you for your word. Let's get some quad work out. You're saying we stood for five songs. It's okay. Jesus stayed on the cross for several hours. <laughs> we can handle it, right? And so, Jesus, we love your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for writing the word of God. This Bible is without error. It is inerrant. It is without error. It is infallible. That means it's believable. From Old Testament, New Testament, Genesis to Revelation, first verse to the last verse, it is believable. We can trust this word. Amen? We believe this word, we trust it, and we will obey it. We will follow what this word says. God, we pray that you, Holy Spirit, would teach us, lead the way through this message in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people say, amen. amen. You may be seated. John chapter 11. Feel the burn in the quads. Come on. I've titled this message, Tenderness and Example. That's the title of the message for our second in this series called Tomb Raider. Tenderness and in example. Jesus is the tender example. And so when you think of tender, what do you think of? Let's throw a picture up. Is this what you think of? What do you think? Oh boy. Oh boy. 
That is a wonderful piece of filet mignon. Even the green beans look pretty good, too. And so you're thinking to yourself, well, I got ham at home that's cooking. I would much rather have that. 30 bucks over at Longhorn, you can get that. So if you want to make changes in your plans. When we think of tenderness, I want to go into the heart of the Lord. I want to go into the place of Jesus and some scripture verses. Let's go through some of these. Don't look in your Bible. You'll see them on the screen. Can we fly through some of those? How about Luke? Do I have Luke up there? Here we go, Luke 178. Because of the tender mercy of our God. God is a tender God. He is a merciful God. Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Here we go. Just keep flying through these. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another. What's the next word? Tenderhearted. This is how we need to treat each other. It's a tender way. God does the same towards us, and we need to treat each other like that. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Here's another one. Philippians 1.8, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of, of Christ Jesus. Now, word affection there is that same word. It means tenderness, the tenderness of Jesus Christ, the affections. Let's go one more. I think I have another verse here. Philippians 2.1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any what? What's the word? Affection, tenderness, and sympathy. Tenderness, affection. 1 Peter 3.8, this is the last one. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and what? A tender heart and a humble mind. Tenderness. Tenderness, an example. Affections. The Greeks and the Hebrews would refer to affections as the bowels. Now, we think of bowels. We think of something completely different, right? And So this isn't going to go into a PG-13 rating, so hold on. But when we think of bowels, we think much differently. They thought of bowels as the center of their emotions, their affections. In other words, in this center part of yourself and myself, when things really start to ramp up, there's nerves, there's excitement, there's joy, there's all of these other feelings, they would refer to that as the affections or the bowels. And so we can relate to some of that. The Greek word is splanknon, splanknon. Let me see if I can put it in a context. If you could throw that picture up there, if you would. When we're all much younger, when we're in our teenage years, uh, there was that first love, right? And there was that, that girl you had your eyes on, guys, right? Or vice versa. Maybe you ladies had your eye on that really hunk of a guy. He was hot. And so uh, you, would, you would start to feel something down inside of this area, right? It would be like butterflies, or you would have these feelings that were truly intense feelings. I'm trying to explain to you uh, the affections or the tenderness or the splanknon that God has where he feels right down into the heart of who he is for you. This is how he feels for you. He is tender towards you. So it would have been quite, quite amazing if I went up to those, those girls back in high school and I said, I have tremendous splanknon for you. <laughs> I just want you to know that. And so if you're a teenager, you want to use a good pickup line for someone that you might like, just just go up to them and say, I have a tremendous splanknon for you. And they're going to go like, thank you for that tenderness. They're going to get that. What we need to know is that Jesus is the tomb raider, and Jesus goes into the tombs of our life. And you're saying, what tombs are you talking about? Well, somebody in the house is in the tomb of bitterness because you've been holding on to bitterness way too long. You've been living amongst the tombs. Remember that story about that man that was living in the cemetery? We looked at it last Lord's Day. You remember that? Amen? You, you remember that? Were you here? And so there's people that still live in tombs. Now, you're not living in cemeteries or tombs 
in a literal sense, but you're doing it in an emotional sense or a mental sense or even a spiritual sense. And so bitterness is your tomb or lack of forgiveness or you're, you're walking in some form of fear of man or anxiety or there might be something that you're living amongst the tombs. And Jesus is the tomb raider and he comes to your tomb where you're at in your life and with tenderness, he wants to bring you out of that. Hallelujah. That's what he's doing to all of us in various ways. I was thinking back before when we were in that, about that fourth or fifth song uh, of the beginnings of my Christian life. And so my mom moved from Florida. Many of you know that. I helped her move from Florida to Maryland. And so she's in that area where I grew up, Delaware, Maryland. And so when I was being drawn in by the Spirit of the Lord to become born again, I went to a church called Ogletown Baptist Church, and it's in Newark. Anybody, anybody heard of that? Seriously, hallelujah for that. Yes, we've got to talk more about that. Yeah. So I, was, I, can, I can vividly remember I was a 16-year-old, lost little boy, uh, and so I was struggling with a lot of things at that point in my life. Not that I'm not struggling now, but just differently, you know. And so, so I, would ha- I had a, a Honda Accord, and it was, it, was, it was the most masculine Honda Accord of any Honda Accord. Now, this 1976 car, and it was yellow. Come on now. Come on. It's here for yellow. Yellow's still pretty cool. And so it was my Honda Accord, and I would get in my Honda Accord. My whole family was not born again. God would do the work in me first, and then it would spread. And so I would get in my yellow Honda Accord, and I would go down to Ogletown Baptist Church. Now, this is all going through my mind during those songs, and tears start to flow because I'm remembering the tenderness of God, that he was reaching into the life of a a lost 16-year-old and saying, I'm going to draw you out of your tomb. And I'm not only going to bring you out of your tomb, I'm going to bring your family out of their tombs. So I would sit there in that parking lot by myself before church started in my Honda Accord, getting ready to go into church. And that would be the beginning, 30-plus years now, the beginning of understanding that Jesus is the tomb raider. He is the tomb raider. And he's going to raid tombs today, some of your tombs. It's going to be a good day for you, amen? It's going to be a good day for you. There are three points. I want to go through the the text with you. There are three. You'll have that in your outline. Here's number one. When Jesus comes to our tomb in tenderness, we must respond to him as what? Do you see it there? Teacher. He is our teacher. So go to the text, because I want your eyes to go to the text. Verse 28, and I'm going to go through some of these verses with you. Verse 28, when she, that would be Martha, had said this. You see that? When she had said this. Martha has been in contact with Jesus She said in the previous verses, which we looked at last Lord's Day, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. I'm back in verse 27. You are the Christ. So this is what she believed. She's coming out of her tomb of doubt. She's making a declaration that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So when she said this, she went and she called who? Her sister Mary. Now, don't you, don't, I mean, that is all of what it means to be an evangelist. That's all what it means to have a heart for those that are closest to you that don't know the Lord. And so I can remember when I was going through that whole experience back at Ogletown Baptist Church that the first people that I wanted to tell about Jesus and and talk to him was my dad and my mom and my two brothers. This is Martha. Martha gets this, the tomb raider comes, pulls her out of this doubt, and now she wants Mary to experience the same thing. She said something very important. You are the Christ, the Son of God. And I made a, a, a point last Sunday at the end of the service. You remember this if you were here. And I asked you point blank, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? You remember when I asked you that? 
especially for those who lifted up their hands. Who are the ones that lifted up their hands last Lord's Day? Just lift up your hands. We had a few here. There was more in the back. And you declared that Jesus is the Christ. Out loud, didn't you? That's what I asked you to do. I think it's important. Here's Mary. Here's Martha. They're coming in contact with the Tomb Raider, and he's trying to bring them to a greater place of faith and obedience, and that's what he's going to do to all of us. So Martha uh, called her sister Mary, notice the text, saying in private. Do you see that there? That's important. What's the, whole, what's the whole deal here with this word private? Well, you remember in chapter 11, verse 8, the disciples said, you can't go back to Judea because if you go back there, what's going to happen to you? It says he's going to get stoned. They were afraid he was going to die, and so it was Thomas who said, well, I'll go with you to die. And so this is what's in their mind, and so Mar- Martha leans over, somehow gets Mary separated from the crowd that was there to grieve alongside of her, and there were maybe dozens, if not hundreds, of people with Mary. And so Martha goes over privately, it says, and, and makes this conversation about Jesus. They know that an uproar could happen. They know that there could be this upheaval against the Lord Jesus, and so they don't want that, and so there's this private conversation. Now notice what she says. What The teacher, see that? The teacher is here and is calling for you. Now this isn't a teacher like just any old teacher. What, Mar- what Martha is believing here is something much more. She made the declaration that Jesus is the Christ. Now she transitions into him as rabbi. Uh, and, and so this is a well-respected person in New Testament times, which would be a rabbi, and that's the same word for teacher here. It's used back in John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And I want you to see what Nicodemus says about this, who was a tremendous man. He was a rabbi. Can we look at those verses now? There was a man of the Pharisees. This is an important man named Nicodemus, and he's a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi. So now he's looking at Jesus as rabbi and teacher, but he's not quite as far along as Martha was. But he's going to get there because the Tomb Raider is coming into Nicodemus's life. And I believe that Nicodemus eventually became a Christian too. But here's this contact with the Savior. Rabbi, we know that you are a what? A teacher, watch this, come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. What do you think is happening to Nicodemus? Well, the Tomb Raider is already coming to him. There's a drawing that's going on inside of the heart of Nicodemus. Do you remember that time when God was drawing you to himself? You weren't quite saved yet. Do you remember that? You might be in process of that. You might not be a Christian yet, but maybe you're in that drawing process. I was raised Catholic, and so I was a very religious person, and I had statues all around our house, and there was a statue that was on my windowsill, and I would go to the statue of Jesus. I would lay hands on it and, and, and you know, talk to my statue if I was upset about my mom and dad or my brothers or something, just being a teenager. And so you remember vividly, though, I accidentally hit Jesus. He fell to the floor, and his head fell off. I was like, ah! I was like, ah! You know, I'm trying to put his head back on. I'm like, ah! You know, it was very traumatizing for a young Catholic boy for that to happen. But that was still God drawing me to himself. I wasn't converted yet. That wouldn't happen until a little bit later. So here's Nicodemus, and he's a teacher. He's a rabbi, and he's recognizing this other rabbi that is from God. The things that Jesus was already doing was miraculous. Now, in the text, this is, what, this is what is happening between Mary and Martha. They're having this conversation. Mary's response, when she heard it, what did she do? She rose quickly. Please look at it with your own eyes. Don't look at me. Please look in your, your Bible app or your hard copy of the Bible. She rose quickly and went to him. Now, there's a, here's a response. Mary, the teacher, she's understanding. She's seen Mary or Jesus do miracles before. He's, he's here, and there's this conversation going on between Martha and Mary, and it's private. 
And, and once she finds out that Jesus is nearby, then she quickly gets up. Mary, I believe, at this point is coming to grips with some of her faith. And she's getting to that place where she's moving out of her tomb of doubts and getting to a place of greater faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, if you notice the text, he's not quite in town. So Jesus gets there, and he has this conversation with Martha, but he doesn't go all the way into Bethany. Now, why doesn't he go all the way into Bethany? Is he afraid of being stoned? Yes or no? No. He's not afraid of being stoned. Jesus isn't afraid of dying. So he's pulling back out of Bethany for a purpose. There's a divine setup going on here. He wants those crowds that are in Bethany to come out and meet all of them right there around the tomb. So this is phenomenal. This is happening in all of our lives. Jesus is doing this divine setup. You might want to call that pre-wiring. And so verse 31, when the Jews who were with her, look at it, in the house, consoling her, and what they would have in those days is they would have professional mourners. In other words, you could hire mourners that would come to your house and, and just kind of cry with you and be with you and listen and eat food with you and how many people would want that job, huh? It's like you're a professional mourner. So there's this crowd, dozens if not a 100 people gathering around Mary and Martha. But when Mary finds out the teacher is there, then she quickly, quickly gets up. And then you have these, these, this group of people that started to follow Mary. And where did they think that Mary was going? To the tomb. Well, she must be going to the tomb to, to weep. And so, no, she's not going to the tomb to weep. She's going to meet Jesus. Now the crowd is going. And listen, some of you, this might be your first time in a church and maybe a long time. And you're thinking, why am I here? How did I even get here? Behind the scenes, God is working in your life. Behind the scenes, he's already putting things into place so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. We pray that that happens to you today. Amen. We pray for that. John Calvin, a great theologian and pastor of a, a long, long time ago, he called this the secret providence of God. The secret providence where God is establishing our steps. Sometimes we can see it, sometimes we can't. A lot of times we look in the past and we can see how God's providence was very uh, much at work in our life. And so this is what's going on in this text. It's wonderful. I'd love to get into the, the text and see the providences of God. Jesus is the tender teacher. He's the tender teacher. He's the teacher that comes to you and he wants to teach you what it is that you need to know so that you can come out of your tomb. Now, how many people had those teachers back in school that was not the tender teacher? They were, in fact, the harsh teacher. You were in Catholic schools, the scary nun. Anybody had the scary nun, right? A few of us. And so we had, you know, math teachers that are mean. I had a chemistry teacher that was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I mean, she was just plain flat out nuts. And so, but the, the one teacher that I had that was not tender, but was tough was Mr. Rice. Now, Mr. Rice was our phys ed teacher, our gym teacher. And so uh, he would walk around and he would have one of these. Now, this is back in the day when you could have one of these. You know, and if we weren't behaving, and he would do this a lot, you know, he was a big muscular guy, and he would come up and down the aisles when we were sitting there, and if old Chris wasn't paying attention, what would he do? Boom! Right on the back of my hind parts. And so um, some of the young people in here are like, that, th there is no way that was really going on in your day. It was really going on, wasn't it? And so Mr. Rice was one of those teachers, and so you were kind of afraid of Mr. Rice. And, and so uh, he, would, he would do this, but if you weren't paying attention, too, he would also have erasers. And he was like, you know, and if you weren't paying attention and Chris is in the back, he's like, hey, 
you know. Good hand-eye coordination, very good. And so that's not, that's not a tender teacher. I didn't walk into Mr. Rice's gym class thinking, he just really loves me today. I was nervous. We were all nervous. And so that's not Jesus, the tender teacher. Jesus is the one who comes up, and he's going to say, hey, listen, I really want to help you out of your tomb. Do you want to be helped? I really want to deliver you and heal you, and I want to do some great things in your life. And I'm here. And his voice is going to be really soft. It's going to be nice. He's not going to be screaming at you. He's not going to be hitting you with a stick like Mr. Rice or throwing a racer at your head. He's just not going to do that. Jesus is a wonderful teacher. He's a teacher that is so tender. He has the splanchnon. He has all of these feelings that are in his gut, in his gut for you. And we're going to see how that manifests here in just a little while. And so Jesus raids the tomb. He's not fierce. You know what he is fierce against when the tomb raider comes? He's fierce against the enemies in your life. Think about the enemy that's in your life, whatever it may be. An addiction, what do you have? Is it a porn addiction? What is it? Is it an alcohol addiction? Is it a drug addiction? Is it a food addiction? You know where Jesus is fierce? He's fierce against the enemy that's in your life, but he is tender towards you. Does that make any sense? You need to understand that because some of you have been raised under toughness. You've been raised under the, this, this pressure to succeed, pressure to perform, to be perfect. The expectation thing is just way over the top in your past, and you're just feeling like you can never match up. Anybody ever felt like that before? All of us have. Listen, Jesus is not like that at all, but he is fierce against that, that enemy that's in your tomb, and he wants to do something about that. He wants to deliver you, and he wants to heal you, but he wants to teach you. What is God teaching you about himself lately? Does anybody have one? Just give me one. God is teaching. How about the back row? How are you guys doing back there? You guys are paying attention really good. Do you have something that God is teaching you, Dennis, about himself? Think about that. Anybody else? Just get one. It's a little on the, on the spot, Dennis, but if you get one, let me know. Okay. How about about himself? What's he teaching about who he is? That he is what? That he is patient towards that he's a loving God. We just got that one down here too, Dennis. You guys are connecting. You didn't hear each other. Anybody else? What's God teaching you about himself? Forgiveness. Anybody else? That he's in control. I heard that from someone. All right, what is God teaching you? What is Jesus teaching you about yourself? Anything? Pride in the heart. I heard in the front. We got some confessors up front. We got to work on the back section over here. And so let's do some confessing back there. Is there something that the Lord is saying, I want to teach you, and this is what I'm showing you because I'm going to bring you out of the tomb. Just give me one, somebody back there. Okay, okay. God is our teacher, and he's tender. You see him as right. What is it, how to walk in faith? Oh, lack of faith, lack of faith. Thank you, Andy. This is good for us to have this feedback. You might not be typically accustomed to exchange. I, I like exchange. And so... Um, that's what we try to do. I know it makes some people uncomfortable, but I hope you know my tenderness, my splanchnon towards you. Number two, when Jesus comes to our tomb in tenderness, we must respond to him with trust. Verse 32. Watch this. What does Mary do? She gets up quickly. The crowd's following her. She gets to Jesus where they're somewhere outside of the city or town of Bethlehem or Bethlehem, Bethany, and she does what? What does the text say? She falls down at his feet. Stop there for a moment. Who does this? Watch these verses here. I'm going to read these. Matthew, do we have 2.11? Matthew 2.11. Watch 
Watch this. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense. And Who are these people? Yeah, these are the wise men, the magi. How about chapter 17, verse 6? What do we have? When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. It's not a bad thing to fall on your face. And so Mary is falling down. Listen, a couple more here. Luke 5, I think it's 12, right? And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property. Who's this guy? That is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. What else do we have? Anything? 18.6, and when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. That was a great scene right there. I love that scene, especially if you're watching The Passion of the Christ or Jesus of Nazareth. I love that. They fall to the ground. So you got different people falling on their faces to the ground for different reasons. Mary is falling because the teacher is here, but she says this, watch. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many people have ever told God what to do? How many people said, Lord, I just need to kind of tweak something with you because you got something wrong here. You know, if you would have been here, they, you know, and this is where she's going with this. Now, it's not to be too hard on Mary and Martha because I think all of us can be there at various times in our life. And so what she was saying to Jesus is this. You're the healer, but you can't raise him from the dead. This is where God is bringing us, the tomb raider. Jesus, the tomb raider, is bringing us from this place of faith to greater faith. And so some of our faith is like, you know, I believe in you, Jesus, to this point, but I don't know if I can really trust you for this. I'll trust you for this, but I can't really trust you for that. And that's Mary. You're the healer. I've seen you heal a lot of people before, and I believe that if you would have been here, you would have healed my brother. But, and what she's doing is that she's limiting God to, limiting Jesus to his actual presence among them. I think there was somebody who wanted a healing. I think it was a centurion. Who was this? It's coming to me right now, but I can't remember the reference. And so I think the Roman centurion just said, speak the word. In other words, Jesus didn't even have to go. Do you remember that? He says, speak the word, and my son will be healed. Or, or I think the, the soldier. It was a soldier. The so, it was the son? Thank you, man. And so it's like it wasn't the physical presence of Jesus that needed to, to be there. It was just the faith or the trust, and the centurion had that. Amazing. Mary didn't have it quite yet. She's, again, coming out of her tomb of doubt. We put limits on God and his power. I want you to, to think about this movie. I'm going to do a recommendation here. It's called Breakthrough. Anybody heard of Breakthrough? It's out at the theaters now. It's about a woman whose son falls through the ice, and I'm not going to give it away. It's a great movie. It'll cause tears. It'll, you'll cry, guys. And so uh, it's a great true story of this young boy who falls through the ice and he's dead for like an hour. They couldn't bring him back. They tried everything they could do to, to bring him back. But here's the thing that really spoke to me probably the most is the mother went into the room with her lifeless son's body and said, Holy Spirit, breathe life into my son. And all of a sudden there was a pulse again. I wonder if God is calling Harvest Redding and some of us to that kind of faith where we can trust God. Not that he's just a healer, but he's so much more than that. That spoke to me because I'm like, Lord, have I limited you? Have I, have I put a cap on you? Have I done that to you? I thought that, especially after watching that movie. This woman was a woman of great faith. She made a declaration. Go see the movie. I would encourage you to go see that. Jesus is our tomb raider. We need to trust him. Trust Jesus. Let me talk about trust issues. Anybody have trust issues here? 
Okay, let me just ask you again. Anybody have trust issues here? Raise your hand. Why did more hands go up that time? I don't understand that. Holy Spirit must be just keep moving through this, you know? Nobody wants to admit it. Come on, we can't be afraid of man. We can't be afraid. We all have trust issues at times. Where do trust issues come from? Now, don't respond to this. I'm going to go through a list. Ready? Pain, betrayal, tragedies in your life, traumas, maybe some sin decisions you made that weren't the greatest, catastrophes, maybe some abuse when you were young. And so uh, maybe a controlling person in your life, maybe it was controlling mom, controlling dad, and there has all kinds of issues that are connected to that. Abandonment. The list can go on and on. Trust issues. They affect our walk with God. Do you think Mary had any trust issues? How about Martha? They're just, they're women like us. Well, women like the women here, and they're, and they're, anyway. So let me do another book recommendation. Book recommendation. You'll see it on the screen here. Uh, this is Trusting God by Jerry Bridges. Jerry Bridges went to be the Lord, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, I think. And so uh, I'm at the lowest point of my life. And I go get counseling. And I'm really struggling. And I walk into the office of the one who's going to give me counseling. And there's a bookshelf there, and it probably has two or th- 200 books, maybe 200 and so I, I walk, and all of a sudden, this book almost starts glowing at me. You're going to think, this is nuts. Maybe God made it look like it was glowing in my mind. Of all the books, I just see this one, and I go for it, and I grab it, and it's Trusting God by Jerry Bridges, and it truly, truly was used of the Lord to help me to trust God in the midst of complete blackness. Can I encourage you to go to Amazon? Isn't Amazon great? Get that book, Trusting God. Write it down and put it in your memory. If you have trust issues, now all of those hands that went up, because that was about 85% of everybody in the room, and this isn't a plug, you know, for, for Amazon or anything like that, or Jerry Bridges or his family, read the book. Read it prayerfully and watch what happens to your trust. Psalm 13.5, John, can we go through some of these together? Some more verses on, on trust. 13.5 says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. Hallelujah. There it is. I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Let's keep moving through these. These are wonderful. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. Well, we don't have chariots anymore. Some have horses. Uh, The point is these are the things that were super important, super powerful in that day, Uh, created a lot of sustenance and security and all the things, power. And so people trust in those things today. They're just not chariots. but, But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Receive that today. I think I have a couple more. 25-2, one more. Oh, my God, in you I trust. Isn't that good? Oh, my God, in you I trust. Can we just say that out loud together? Oh, my God, in you I trust. I trust. I trust you. I trust you. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Psalmist. Let me just do something here with you. I'm going to show some images on the screen. Show this first image. Would you trust this person? Can we do this? Would you trust him? Thumbs up if you could trust him. Thumbs down if you couldn't trust him. Did you skip history class? Do you know who this is? Every thumb. (laughs) Down. We don't trust. How about this next person? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. His nickname. Anybody remember? Yeah. Read a lot of stories on Lincoln. Leadership books on Lincoln. Uh, tremendous man of God, not a perfect man of God, but a trustworthy man of God. I really believe he was a believer. 
How about one more? Let's go to the third one here. Anybody know who this is? Little trivia for you if you're over 50 years old. This is Bill Bixby, and it's in a sitcom from the late 70s to the early, late 60s to the early 70s called The Courtship of Eddie's Father. Would you trust Eddie's father? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs up. Yes, you would. Let's, let's give it to, I don't even know his name, but every time I see something like this, I think of the, the theme song. Let me tell you a story about my best friend, a one boy. This isn't a performance. Come on. A one boy, cuddly toy, my up, my down, my pride and joy. Wow, did I date myself on that? Because, like, most of you are like, no, I didn't watch that show. It's a great show. Go on TV land or whatever they have that station. It's we, trust, we trust Bill Bixby and his character on that show. Remember, timing is everything. Timing is everything. We're not going to tell Jesus how it's done. We're going to just submit to him. He's the teacher, and we can trust him. What's the old hymn if you're a big hymn person? Trust and obey. Anybody know that one? Can we, can we get something on that? Trust and obey? How does it go? Trust and obey. That was wonderful. How many people in the back section ever heard of that hymn? Raise your hand. You heard that hymn. Then why didn't you sing it with us? We were having this thing down here. Come on. Number three, when Jesus comes to our tomb in tenderness, we must respond to him in truth. This is in verses 33 down to verse 37. This is the objective of the miracle. Jesus is bringing them and us to this place of looking at him as the son of God. This is a, a chapter on the divinity of Christ, that he is God in human form, that Jesus is 100% God, that he is the Savior. You'll notice in verse 33, would you look at verse 33, it says the text, after he had seen all of Mary and Martha and the people around just weeping, he said, this deeply moved the Lord. Are you there, verse 33? He was deeply moved. This is an interesting word in the Greek language. It's kind of like a horse grunt. This sounds kind of kooky, but it's not. Uh, sometimes if you, anybody have horses here? Horses. Horses, yes. Horses make this noise, don't they? They, they kind of grunt. Why would they grunt like that? I don't even know. Oh, really? Like they're stubborn or something, they would grunt? And so I, I've never heard it. I've never experienced it. Actually, I did watch Secretariat, which was a tremendous horse back in the day. I love that horse. I don't know anything about horses. Thank you so much for helping me. But I have read that they'll grunt. Now, the Greek word here is not that Jesus sounded like a horse. Okay, so we've got to get past that. But I want you to see the word here because there's something inside of him. There's some, now, now, he's looking at the Mary and Martha and the pain that they're experiencing and he's watching the people around. Is he experiencing their pain with them? Sure he is. Remember, this is not only the divine side of Jesus, chapter 11. This is the human side of him. This is his humanity coming out. And so he gets to this place, and he's looking, he's looking at the people in pain, what death has done to Lazarus, his friend. He loved Lazarus. And he grunts inside. There's this, you know, and, and he's thinking, what is he thinking? It's just whatever it's going on there, it's moving him. You know, and I really believe that there's something going on inside of him where he's going to reach as the tomb raider into the body of Lazarus, which is decomposed, and he's going to reverse all of that. 
We're going to see that next week. You don't want to miss that. So he's grunting. He's deeply moved. It says in his spirit, not the Holy Spirit, that's in his human spirit. And then it says in the text that he was greatly troubled. He was greatly troubled. Pain moves God. Pain moves him. When you were assaulted, when you were abandoned, when you were abused, that pain Jesus and God felt. You're saying, I, I just, I can't even put my mind around that. He wasn't there for me. There's no way he could have felt that. If he did feel that, why didn't he rescue me? These are the tough things of life to try to understand. But I do believe, based on Scripture and the example we see here, that when people are grieving, when they're hurting, when they're in pain, when they feel all of these things that caused all of these trust issues and all of us, that Jesus himself is groaning, he's deeply moved, and he's troubled by that. Leave that with him. Leave that with him. Now watch this. Go back to the text. Watch what he asks them. Where have you laid him? Do you see where I'm at? Where have you laid him? I, I, this, is, this is phenomenal. This is a divine setup. This is Jesus wanting to, to get the people, the crowd, to gather around so that they can feel the full effects of the moment. The drama is amazing. Now, I said last Sunday that the supernatural has been desensitized because we're watching so much supernatural come through Hollywood, like uh, Harry Potter and, and, um, and the Marvel you know, superhero supernatural kind of stuff. You pump that into your mind, then you get to the text, and you go, wait a minute, uh, Lazarus rose from the dead, and Christians are like, yeah, doesn't move you. What I want you to feel here, and we're going to look at more next week, is the drama that is unfolding. Now, when he says, where have you laid him, I think he's saying it in a certain way. I don't think he's saying, so where have you laid him? I think he's like, where have you laid him? <laughs> I really believe that. I think that there's this groaning inside. He's like, I'm going to come into the tomb of Lazarus in front of all of you, and I'm going to turn death around. Where have you laid him? I think that's what, how he was saying it, if I could put voice inflection and some attitude behind it. Now look at this. Look at the text. It says in verse 35, and if you're not good at memorizing Scripture, this is really one that you can do. I know you can. Verse 35, it says what? Jesus wept. Can we just try to memorize that right now? Ready, everybody? Jesus wept. Can anybody say it back to me? Man, that's awesome. I am not a memorizer of Scripture. I am really not. That's honest truth. But I think I can get this one. I feel really good about this. Jesus wept. Here's this full expression of his humanity. Here's him expressing he's vulnerable. He's transparent. This is a man who is stepping out. Now listen, he's the God man. He's stepping out over a line so everybody can see him, and he's weeping, almost convulsing because he's just so in love with these people, but he hates what sin has done. He hates what it's done to the people that he loves. And so he's weeping. Jesus is crying. He's a man. He's crying. There is real sadness here. There's real mourning and grief. It's legit. It's for real. All right, guys, all the guys looking up here. If there's somebody next to you that's a guy that's sleeping, nudge them. Oh, wake them up. This is going to be important. How many guys have a hard time showing any kind of emotion in front of other people? Raise your hand. For me, it was the same way. Crying in, crying in front of anybody for years was just really hard. 
How many people would say you're a pretty conservative person? In other words, you're pretty reserved as a person. You're pretty reserved. Your personality is like that. <laughs> I get a kick out of you guys. It's funny because I know most of you and a lot of you are very reserved. You're very reserved. How many people here are Scandinavian? You're from Finland, you're from Sweden, or you're German? Raise your hand. Okay, more hands on that. Typically more reserved, right? A little bit to yourself. Now, how many people from Berks County? Berks County, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Typically reserved. Not as expressive. Listen, if you're German, you're Scandinavian, you're from Finland, you're from Switzerland, I don't know where you're from. You're from, you're, you're German, you're Berks County, you're a man. We all need to express. It's not a personality thing. Jesus is setting the example here. He's weeping. He's showing emotion. He's being vulnerable. If you have pulled back and you're not vulnerable, don't blame it on your, your nationality or your heritage. Don't say, well, it's my personality. It's because I, I live in Berks County. That's not, that's not the way to, to approach it. It's like, God, whatever that is in my tomb, and it could be a historical tomb in your family, like generational stuff that needs to be peeled back, Jesus is leading us out. And he's like, you know what? I can go out here on this edge. And he's doing that for all of these people to see. Now, here's the tragedy of the whole text that we're going to look at. Verse 36 and verse 37. Notice these verses, and we'll bring it to a close. Verse 36, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Did they believe? There's a group there that will believe. There's a group there that won't believe. The group that will believe, which we'll look at next Lord's Day, are just coming out of the tombs like crazy. And the other ones go to the religious leaders to have Jesus crucified. Think about that for a minute. Preachers can preach, and they're preaching all over the, the world right now for Easter. Some of you will believe and come out of the tombs. Some of you are going to go the other way. And some of you will never return. You won't be saved. You won't be healed. Next week, you've got to see the text. It's really quite unbelievable. But here they are. And so Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead. They don't know that yet. Jesus is the truth. A few more verses, John 1.14. I'll stay in John's gospel with you as we run through these as we conclude. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 117, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. How about another one? 832. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's the body of truth, Christianity, but it's more important, Jesus Christ himself. 14.6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is raiding tombs. He's the teacher. Put your trust in him that he is the truth, and you're going to experience the tomb raider firsthand. Can I ask you to stand to your feet? Stand to your feet before we sing one more song to exalt Jesus.
Anytime you have a call to some kind of a decision, uh, the preacher or the pastor will be tempted to try to, um, I don't want to say manipulate, although there's some of that going out there in evangelical Christian. I don't want to do that kind of thing. I just want to trust the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is moving upon people's lives through the text of Scripture. And so the tomb raiders near your tomb, whatever that tomb is, bitterness, anger with God, maybe the pain of your life or the pain of abandonment or abuse or whatever happened is just so, but he's coming up to you as the tender teacher. You can trust him. He is the truth. He's the embodiment of truth. Whatever loss or grief that you went through that has been lodged in your heart and soul as a stronghold, he is the tomb raider. Remember, he is tender towards you. This is my encouragement without any kind of coercion or persuasion. Would you just simply say to the Lord, here I am. Here I am. Turn this all around, God. Turn this all around. I give it to you. You're my teacher. Show me the way. I truly trust in you. I got trust issues. I confess them to you, Lord. But I want to trust you in a greater degree, like Mary does. Especially after we look at next week. You're going to see Mary and Martha and some of the others just explode out of the tomb. You'll see Lazarus come out too. It's going to be phenomenal. Jesus, our tomb raider, we trust you. You're the truth. And we open ourselves up, scary as it may be. As frightening as it is to be vulnerable and to be transparent, whether we're from Finland or Sweden or we're German or we're a man or we're reserved, we've been trained not to show emotion, whatever it may be, we're wanting to go past that right now. If tears need to flow out of a man's face right now and he hasn't had tears in his eyes for a long time, Holy Spirit, move upon him in his heart, splanknon, that affection you have for him, that deep love and tenderness, speak to him right now. Move upon his heart and his mind and his emotions. Free him, Lord. How about we exalt Jesus with one more song? Amen? Let's do one more song. I'm telling you this song, these acoustical ceiling tiles will not be there when we're done with it. So I want you to sing this as if you're at the tomb of Jesus and you just discovered that he's not there anymore. I don't want you to think about the person next to you being all self-conscious. Oh, no, what are they going to think about my voice and stuff? It's not about them. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Lift it as high as you can, as sincerely as you can, because this song is a declaration. Let's do it. <laughs>